This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1184. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today's episode is entitled, What's My Skyline? Because <laughs> I'm going to have a look at uh, the science fiction horror movie Skyline and its sequel, mm-hmm. Beyond Skyline. And this is, I don't really do guilty pleasures. <laughs> You know, because considering some of the rubbish that I watch and read, <laughs> this sounds actually kind of fun. Um, well panned by critics originally, <laughs> and probably still to this day, but I don't care. Uh, and another one too, these are on DVD, uh, Splinter, a horror movie, which is not about the rat from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is that an older one or no? It's a little bit older, yeah, yeah. You know, these things, they drop on, on DVD and on uh, Netflix and Stan mm. and, and you suddenly you go, oh, oh, I kind of enjoyed watching that. Or not, as the case may be. Uh, and we'll toddle around some other things as well. Uh, I am J. Michael Stritsky, creator of Babylon 5, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Who are you and what do you want? Uh, our podcast title today is The Rubber Pod Man Show. <laughs> so I think we'll go with that. Oh, dear me. Now, this uh, is Zero G, and I did a sweep through some of the shows that have been picked up and cancelled. Actually, just cancelled some of mm. our favourite shows. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the Butte Comedy Police Procedural Show has been cancelled by Fox, and then NBC picked it up a day later. How cool is that Uh, for a sixth season? And Fox has um, also cancelled its satanic police procedural show, Lucifer. I know my partner's been very fond of that show, Uh, as well as the classic horror movie spin-off series, The Exorcist. They've also cancelled their apocalyptic comedy series, The Last Man on Earth. Um, which I did enjoy. Uh, This is all to do with something called NFL football. So, you know, I guess they're running out of time to show actual shows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, the CW has renewed iZombie. That just keeps going, that show. Oh, wow. And ABC has cancelled the fantasy series Kevin Brackets Probably Saves the World, as well as Marvel's Inhumans. Oh, that didn't have long, did it? Eight episodes. Wow. Um, really? That's, that's the one that uh, premiered at IMAX too. Got the axe pretty quickly then. Well, yeah. Um, this is really, you know, I mean, uh, Agent Carter at least got its two seasons and good, mm. jolly good ones they were. There's a show that deserved to keep going. Uh, and this this is actually quite a... A major sort of thing when you think about it, a Marvel series that's just started and just got the chop. Uh, and, you know, I don't say this, but I can imagine, I can imagine that 
There might be some comment. Is this the beginning of the the <laughs> end of the Marvel juggernaut? I, I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I just thought, nah. It's just this is these things will happen as they go along. Sometimes things will work. Although the Inhumans strand is actually quite an important one in the MCU. Uh, they've kind of been using them as a replacement for the X Men. Ah. So that does have some repercussions long line, although the Inhumans are still in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which um, I believe, because they're in the fifth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and uh, they're starting to pick up on events that happened in the Infinity War. Uh, speaking of which, um, Avengers Infinity War, I have seen it for the third time now. Oh, yes, and? I, uh, well, I, I went to the, uh, the Jam Factory's event screening, Nice. Uh, they had the uh, the Russo brothers um, skyping in or live streaming in. Wow! Uh, to answer some very basic questions. That's a bit fun. It was actually. Were they good questions? Sometimes the Q and As make me nervous. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to be smug, but we do a hell of a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that goes without saying. Yeah, it goes without saying. So we won't say it. Um, yeah, but they, you know, they, they, they seem two amiable sort of guys for talking at 4 a.m. LA time, yeah. wherever they were. Good on them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, actually, there were some good, pretty good questions, um, I thought, from uh, local people in, in Melbourne. But it was, they actually had it um, live streaming from events all over Australia in each capital city mm-hmm. from screenings mm-hmm. and also from Auckland. So, you know, it was, it was kind of like you were sitting there Fun. with about three or 4,000 people. That's nice. And I like those types of events. Well, I've been quite enjoying going to see um, Avengers with uh, full audiences. A lot of the yeah. films I go to see, I, you know, I, I find times or previews or whatever and I'm, there's not really a full audience there. But yeah, I love – that's what I love about blockbuster season I think is – Often you'll go and the atmosphere is really good and people are quite excited. It's very different when you go to a 10 a.m. screening on a weekday and it's like you and a couple of grannies or something. I mean, nothing against the grannies, but it is a very different vibe when it's a jam-packed cinema. So so this was a a, a jam-packed cinema at the Jam Factory, so that was kind of fun. Anyway, yeah, well, you know, and I keep picking up bits and pieces in the film mm. uh, that I that I hadn't seen before, and there were like uh, they asked people to put their hand up who hadn't seen it, and so yeah, there was about right. twenty people there who hadn't seen it. So the spoilers sort of thing is still in operation. Yes, I would think so for this film in particular, anyway. Uh, and speaking of uh, of Marvel, uh, Luke Cage, the trailer has just dropped for Netflix. Yes, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but you've had a look, haven't you? I have a season two. The trailer has dropped on Netflix uh, June 22nd. Nine episodes will be in our hands before we know it. Uh, Chio Hodari Coca has returned as the showrunner with, of course, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. Imagine if they changed. The I just, I, nah. You uh, wouldn't do it. You'd be shooting yourself in the foot, really. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't hurt him, would it? <laughs> uh, doing his own Heroes for Hire video, which is a, a comic book thing. Uh, I saw in the trailer there's a guy doing the... Uh, Video and he's saying, I'm Luke Cage, and you know, if you've got a problem, sort of thing. <laughs> I think, oh, that's so cool. And they're going to sort of play along with that. They're getting Finn Jones um, coming in as Danny Rand, Blech. Iron Fist. Oh, yes. <laughs> but you know what? I actually think he works, will work better with um, Luke Other Cage. people to distract. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's all right. You're just not feeling the love for Iron Fist there. No. Uh, the villain this time round is a guy called Bushmaster, which mm. means that there's going to be much more work for Claire. <laughs> 
the uh, the medic. Yep. Uh, and he's played by uh, Mustafa Shakir. Mm-hmm. And the actor is also an avid comic book fan himself. And he actually wanted to play uh, Blade or Spawn, but here he is playing a major Ooh. villain in uh, Blue Cage. You series. take what you give him. That's it. Um, actually, Mo- Mike Coulter was saying that they could um, do more work on this hero for, Heroes for Hire concept in mm. future series, he says confidently. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, um, this is something the comic book fans know that uh, he, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage will eventually have a daughter. Yes. So I'd actually love to see a Jessica Jones season focusing on that as yeah. well as whatever else is there. But can you imagine her being pregnant at the same time? <laughs> we've seen this before in Marvel Comics. Uh, I thought most recently and memorably um, Spider-Woman was pregnant and fought off a Skrull invasion at the same time. Oh, of course. Oh, so cool. Uh, yeah, and now that Luke is a celebrity in Harlem, he doesn't have to walk around with his hoodie on all the time and he can just, you know, tromp along and <laughs> get shot. And the first episode is directed by Lucy Liu. Wow. Yeah. Oh, good on um, I, I see that uh, an actress called Annabella Sciorra is going to play the key role of Rosalie Carbone, mm-hmm. uh, who is a gangster's daughter in the uh, in the comic books. So I don't okay. know how that will evolve, but she's played, um, I think, um, mistress of the main character in uh, The Sopranos. So cool. she'll be accustomed to the gangster work ethic, <laughs> uh, and she's also on that other Netflix show, Glow. Oh yeah, the wrestlers. Oh yeah, yeah. I and liked that show. We've got Simon Missick returning as Misty Knight. Yep. This lovely. time this time with a Rand Corporation bionic arm. She really should have held that for a Stark <laughs> Industries one. <laughs> uh, or a Wakandan one. Yeah. Oh, imagine. Good. Um, and there's this great line at the end of the, uh, the trailer where uh, – um, Luke says, uh, I'm not really looking for a sidekick to, to Misty. <laughs> Misty snaps back, who says you're not my sidekick? Yeah, Luke, good on you. Luke looks straight at the camera and says, me, it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, looking greatly forwards to cool. Luke Cage back coming out in June. Love it. Yeah. Keep us busy. Yeah. Wow. Hey, space buddies. I'm Danny John Jules. I play the cat on Red Dwarf. And I got to tell you that listening to Zero G is fashionable as wearing knee-length socks with thongs. Zero G, industrial strength sci-fi pum-pum on three triple R. We'll going on in a moment to uh, uh, a movie here on DVD, single disc. Came out in 2008 originally, but I've only caught up with it now because there's too much. Too much out there. It's called Splinter. It's not about the rat from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sadly. Sadly. <laughs> it's a science fiction horror. Oh, actually, it may actually, yeah. be, there may actually be a rat in it. Ooh, now I'm thinking. Uh, ooh, meta. It's um, directed by Toby Wilkins, and he's a, a British film director. Uh, he's done The Grudge 3. Right. <laughs> and several other uh, short films. And it's written by uh, Kai Barry, Ian Shaw and Toby Wilkins. Uh, and actually, I really enjoyed this film. It's only 79 minutes, so mm-hmm. it won't wear out its, out its welcome. Um, it begins at an isolated petrol station in the US where a gas jockey is attacked by something fast and toothy. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and that's kind of flashed throughout the opening credits as they set up the other characters. So, you know, just roll straight into it. You will be not surprised that this is all taking place in an area where an oil company seems to be doing some fracking. So we've got some environmental uh, consciousness running through the story, but it's not really all that important in terms of the uh, how it's working out. I guess they just wave that over it to say this is what might be the cause of the mayhem that's about to take place. There's a couple camping not too far away. Oh, Play- camping. Camping. Always a bad idea in a horror movie. Uh, played by um, Paul Costanzo who we've seen in a show called Designated Survivor. But you may remember him all the way from 2001 playing Alexander Cabot in the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Oh, so he's still working. He's still working. good for you. Although he's studying in the film biology, so maybe he's got a second string. Oh, yeah, I (laughs) recognise him. Yeah. Uh, His uh, girlfriend, or perhaps he's her boyfriend, actually it does work the other way around in this. Uh, She is the strong female lead in the story uh, played by Jill Wagner uh, from Stargate Atlantis Mm -hmm. and from a recurring role in Teen Wolf so she knows her way around weirdness. There is another couple in a stolen truck Mm. uh, who are criminals. One is played by Elias Eli Thompson who I have seen in the HBO series Boardwalk Empire Mm -hmm. but also in uh, Kong Skull Island and I've seen him as a major role in Agent Carter and also in the Fargo series. Um, The woman, his partner, is uh, a drug addict trying to straighten out. There's not too much, too many priors on her CV in terms of um, acting credits that, that I'm familiar with, at least. Uh, but she does a good, credible, creditable job in the film. Um, I can't tell you too much about it. Tell you the title is called Splinter. Um, there, there's something funny going on in the woods and <laughs> that they will all end up holed up in a, uh, a small enclosed location, which sets it up for one of those nice little storylines that I, I kind of uh, am attracted to the bottle show. You know? Yes, I love that. Mm. Uh, the action is wisely chaotically shot with handheld uh, gear so that you don't get too close a look at the things. That's always a plus in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they try a little bit too hard to uh, give us some background on, on one of the characters in particular. Ugh, but who it, cares? Uh, it, it kind of... It's kind of trying to um, give you a, a reason for caring about the character, mm. you know. But, yeah, I kind of thought, oh, do we need that? Maybe not. But in any case, it's an efficient, uh, quite um, scary little horror film called Splinter. Mm. And, you know, I, I like it when they, they manage to not do too much beyond what they uh, – you know, they, they don't overreach themselves in this film. Yeah. Um, is there going to be a sequel? There may very well be, uh, but who knows? It's by Toby Wilkins on DVD. I think it's uh, an Insomnia DVD too from that label. Yes, it is. Hmm. All right. Now, I think we should uh, not play another track at the moment. I just want to mention <laughs> mention something uh, about uh, Eurovision. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I saw snippets last night. Yeah. Such good production value sometimes. I just very is, creative. Is it a spoiler now or people mostly? Oh, no, I think you're fine. Caught up with it. Um, the winner, the uh, Israeli one um, with a song called Toy, 
by Netta Barzilia, <laughs> which, um, oh, Barzilia, Barzilia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has won the 63rd Eurovision, Eurovision Song Contest, um, inspired by the hashtag Me Too movement, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. I missed, I, I kind of did perceive that as I was watching it. Um, it's actually a fairly neat send-up of <laughs> non-Marvel superhero stereotypes, poking fun at both DC's Wonder Woman and The Incredibles, <laughs> judging by some of the costumes, as well as silly boys with action figure toys. Jolly good. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I feel insulted there. And apparently some people have been feeling insulted. Uh, the, the second thing I found out after Googling that, the second most thing was cultural appropriation. Right. Mm. Uh, and I realised, what? Uh, oh, yeah, there's uh, Japanese-themed costumes at the start of it and and throughout. And I thought, oh, yeah, I, I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I didn't notice it as such, but if somebody else did and feels raw about it, that's entirely okay, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of like that little... Um, that it was sort of superhero riffing off that whole thing in a way. <laughs> Whether or not it was a good song. Yeah, actually it reminded me of something that um, Bork you know, might sing, you know, that is a little bit um, off kilter and maybe that's what she was trying for. <laughs> uh, and there was a Ukrainian act too, um, which sort of featured a guy rising up out of a piano on a, on a, on a lift and it looked like a coffin, sort of Ooh. vampire. Yeah, right. Vampi- vampiric. Yes. <laughs> Would have looked wicked if Loki had done it. <laughs> Although in Loki's case, being you know, half sort of frost giant sun, the mm. flames would have been culturally... Problematic. ...insensitive and he might have melted too. But anyway, uh, I don't think it was actually as weird generally as previous um, uh, Eurovisions have been. Yeah. So not as much zero-G fodder as has been accustomed in some of the other ones in the past. <laughs> some of the previous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of them have been oh, quite problematical. <laughs> but not from zero-G's point of view. All right. Now, um, I think we will uh, talk about Skyline next. And... Um, I like this Skyline movie. Me likes it. Uh, it's one of those ones that um, has been quite critically panned, actually. Uh, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> doesn't it, stop us? Doesn't stop us. What do, what do they know? Probably a lot more than me. <laughs> so, okay. Is it Australian? Uh, it's kind of weird. It's... Um, a 2010 film, the original uh, Skyline, an, an American uh, science fiction disaster film. It's directed uh. by the brothers Strauss. There's so many brothers around now. Mm. Uh, Greg and Colin Strauss, who are American film directors, producers and special effects artists. They directed the Alien vs. Predator movie Requiem, uh, which I didn't personally care for. <laughs> and this movie. They're also the founders of Hydraulix a special effects company which has worked on things like um, well they worked on the X-Files film The Nutty Professor the iceberg sequence from Titanic Mm. Uh, they've done a lot of uh, music videos for um, U2, Britney Spears um, Aerosmith and so on weird Um, they've also worked on uh, 
films like 300, X-Men, The Last Stand, Fantastic Four, Terminator Free, Rise of the Machines and The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, in a effects capacity. In effects, yeah. yeah. And have won things like BAFTAs for the special effects and so on. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so um, this film they, they put together... Uh, with a budget of somewhere between ten to twenty million dollars US, mm-hmm. um, it actually managed to because it was so low budgeted. It did quite well at the box office in its own right. So right. we're not talking billions, but they got back eighty million well, US, eighty million worldwide. So that actually works quite well. Uh, it's been on Netflix too, so it had a life beyond it. That uh, and it's set in um, the. Uh, Marina Del Rey. Is that in... Um, it is in Los Angeles. Hmm. Yes, uh, it is. And this caused a little bit of a, a fuss at the time because the brothers were working working on special effects for um, Battle Los Angeles. Oh, yes. So you can see how this there might have been a little bit of a conflict of interest, but it all worked out well in the end. They <laughs> sorted themselves out legally. Um so the actual physical production, and I'm just fascinated by this, it, it cost $500,000 US for the shoot and the rest of the money went on the special effects, basically. Wow, okay. And does it show in a good way or a um, bad way? Yeah, the special effects are killer, I Ooh, thought. They, okay. they really do a good job there. Now, the writer is, uh, one of the writers is Liam O'Donnell, who mm-hmm. ends up writing and directing the second Beyond Skyline movie. Uh, and it all takes place more or less, in the penthouse of a rich rapper. Um, Donald, sorry, uh, Donald Faison plays the rapper, Terry. Um, And we know this, uh, we know Donald Faison because he played Turk in Scrubs. And there are, they're having a big party in this place. Um, Some people are coming out from, I think it was New York, uh, to work on his music videos, you know, to bring vision, their own vision (laughs) to the whole thing. And and they've got this whole little thing going on, um, tour from Brooklyn. Um, One of them has just discovered that his uh, partner is pregnant. She's along with them as well. This is all lifestyles of the very wealthy and the very famous. Mm. It's a magnificent penthouse at the top of the building. Um, It's a little bit Cloverfield to start with. You know, you've got that party going on. and, and they're nothing special, really, some of the people. Um, but but it does make you ask a lot of questions about what's going on. And mm. I just found that the, the isolated penthouse in the sky thing mm. made a lot of sense. Uh, it's got shutters around it that automatically open and close. And, uh, and it's all going quite, quite um, tensely because there's feels and yeah, right. problems. And then it all goes pear-shaped as the aliens start falling from the sky. <laughs> as it always does. As yeah. it always does. And this actually found quite um, sinister and alarming. It was like I was there kind of thing, the way it's, uh, it's filmed. Um, as I said, the special effects are very strong mm. and, you know... And uh, and then the ships with the tentacles start descending, and they're harvesting humans, and oh, you know. And there's a, there's some procedure. The, the procedural's quite well worked out. Um, often you okay, the dialogue is not crash hot, but it doesn't actually have to be given mm. the the fraught situation they're uh, they're in. Uh, yeah, people do things that they shouldn't do, but you tell me that you wouldn't. Yeah, fair you know, enough, fair go, enough. Go through something like this, as I have, and... <laughs> <laughs> I 
getting too far there. <laughs> we don't want to talk about all that. I'm not allowed to anyway. Uh, and, you know, the thing about this film that you start looking at the science in it and you just go, yeah, let's throw that out the window. Yeah. But, and I'll, I'll give you the spoiler for the first film because it's been a long time. The aliens are after our brains. Ooh. Yeah. Is that a spoiler? Yeah. No, actually, it's not, actually, <laughs> when you think about it. Um, and I actually thought this one had a bit more um, strength to it than uh, than Battle um, Los Angeles. Okay. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have so many of those... It cliches. doesn't entice me, if I'm being honest. I'm just having a little look at the DVD cover here. Yeah, yeah. It's That's um... what I thought when I got it. I just thought, oh, I'll just give it a look. Uh, I thought it played better than uh, most other people in the world seem to have. <laughs> um, but there, uh, there are some good moves, I thought, in it. And the ending is particularly, I thought, clever. Okay. Uh, okay. And so that's, that's Skyline, the, uh, the movie. Now, it's got a sequel. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet zero, G comes last, Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Now, I think I will, sp- will I spoil that? Can I get away with that? No, I won't actually. You may not have seen the original Skyline movie. Uh, just thinking on my feet instead of with my foot in my mouth. <laughs> so, um, I looked at the first film briefly and just giving you an idea, it's a big alien invasion of Los Angeles and the people involved. Uh, on on the ground or in the penthouse, as it were, have a hell of a time. And so we go to Beyond Skyline, which is a 2017 movie. So here they are all those years later doing a sequel. Uh, it's directed by Liam O'Donnell, who's a special effects guy and who worked on the script for the first one, and so he has done here. Um, it was uh, released in 2017 uh, and actually got better reviews than the original one. Oh, uh, and I actually find this one quite hilarious in lots of ways, and that's great, actually. That's the sort of movie you want. We've already established that the aliens are uh, here for our brains for assorted reasons, uh, and although I'm sure that Jeff Tracy and his boys are probably trembling at losing their genius that way, uh, it's not actually that particular brains. It's um, people's brains in general. Now, this uh, Liam O'Donnell, the director, is a go- another special effects guy, and if you remember Iron Man 2, as of course I do very well, uh, he was the guy who directed the little special effects sequence that Tony Stark um, hacked into to show the Congress, the Senatorial Committee, that there wasn't really a danger from um, Iron Man rogue technology. Mm. And there was like all these, it was like hammer tech stuff of people trying out suits and in yeah, North Korea. Right, right, right. And they, they called that sequence the Feebles because it was like feeble Iron Man armour. He did, he did that. Uh, he also worked on a, a horror movie called The Bay, which I greatly enjoyed, and Alien versus Predator, Requiem. So there he is with the Strauss brothers who act as kind of producers for this film but didn't direct it, which is kind of a, a pity. I... I thought they um, were onto something before then. Uh, now, the people who appear in this, it's, it's set at the same time as the original Skyline, mm-hmm. but with a different group of people. Uh, Frank Grillo, we know from Captain America, The Winter Soldier and Civil War, he plays Crossbones. That's actually kind of a cool idea, isn't it? Mm. Like a sequel that's the same event but from a different perspective. Well, it's kind of like Rashomon, you know, it's a Kurosawa mm. idea, right? Uh, he plays a detective and a dad who goes into the zone where this is all happening mm. to try and find his son. Annihilation. 
Yeah, 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 we're getting there. <laughs> um, no, I should, it's not that kind of... Oh, I suppose so. Anyway, uh, there he runs into um, Audrey, who is not a, um, a carnivorous houseplant, but is actually played by Bojana Novakovic, mm-hmm. a Serbian-Australian actress, who's uh, in an American TV series called Instinct with Alan Cumming. Um, she actually has her own uh, independent theatre company in Sydney and Melbourne called Ride On Theatre. Cool. And uh, she is another horror movie veteran and so on as well. Mm-hmm. So she plays uh, an LA transit worker who's who muscles up to the situation quite well, uh, which tells you that there's going to be some part of it set mm. in the subways or something like that, you know. Uh, other people who show up in this, where you've got Frank Grillo, who's actually a martial artist in his, his own right, um, Iko Uwe plays uh, the leader of an underground human resistance group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indonesian actor, stuntman, fight choreographer and martial artist, well known for starring in films like uh, The Raid mm-hmm. and The Raid 2. So you can probably see where this is going to go here um, with two actors like that who are really good at martial arts and uh, fisticuffs. It's actually you're actually going to get some alien on human stouches. Yeah, and right. It's, it's great. The film changes gear, mm. like um, from dusk to dawn. Okay, that sort of sudden yeah, yeah, sort right. Of thing. It's like a new thing all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was the way to go for this. It's quite funny. Uh, we've also got um, Kellen Mulvey playing a doctor. Uh, we've seen him as Jack Rollins in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, mm. and a few other people around in there that just m- made me chuckle when I saw Antonio Fargas playing a, a, a blind homeless veteran. I know, I know. These are the, 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 the stereotype cliches in there, but they actually quite play quite well. Uh, and I know him from um, all those nineteen seventies black exploit exploitation movies mm. and he played Huggy Bear in a show called Starsky and Hutch back in 1970. <laughs> so he's, here he's all old. Yeah, <laughs> basically. right. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other people in this and monsters and so on. I think they changed out at least one of the character, one of the actors from the first movie for this one, but it's seven years. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um, the uh, the story is, is quite simple. These These people go in there and they're trying to find the guy's son, uh, and they do, but there are surprises. Uh, um, they f- uh, end up fleeing from the area in a rather remarkable way mm. and crashing in um, the Mekong <laughs> into the Mekong River. <laughs> oh, gosh. So suddenly we're in another country, in, in Laos, in fact. Changing it up. Changing it up. Uh, which involves us with some gangsters over there. Of course it does. Of course it does. Some resistant fighters, uh, some strange biological experimentation uh, and um, some more, because this is uh, one of the features of the original Skyline, some more giant kaiju biomechanical creatures. Ooh, your favourite. Yeah, so it's all in there. You yeah, know? right. We've got brain stealing. Is there too and, much in there? Uh, nah. <laughs> nah, nah. You know, because we're already up for a, a ridiculous wild ride. Yeah, sure. And I, I thought they pulled it off with this one. <laughs> so okay. there you go. Just sometimes you find if you're after one of those, um, a pizza night double. Yeah, right. Okay. Do no, that, no, I do like that. I like Skyline that. Skyline and beyond Skyline. <laughs> Just nothing extra in them at all, but um, 
Uh, and, you know, you, you, they, we're not watching 2001 A Space Odyssey in these films. I don't yeah. think, and it's not trying to be either, is it? I don't even know if they're in the same solar system, really. No, I think not. <laughs> the, the only way you could do it, another one, would be to have the third Skyline movie from entirely from the alien's point of view. That would be cool. That would be cool. I would be into that. Like a whole Letters to Iwo Jima, Flags of Our Fathers. Yeah, thing. yeah. I want to see that. Um, I want to write that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 ha, with three exclamation marks. Ah, well, coming up to the hour, almost done for the day for Zero G. So, you know, um, I believe Megan's been catching up with Riverdale. (laughs) I know, Rob asked me what I'd been doing and I said, well, Rob, (laughs) in all honesty, I've been catching up on Riverdale. It's not a good show. It does not have good characters, plot or setting. I thought it had promise when you initially looked at it. It did have early promise. And it's kind of just fallen into that trap that a lot of teen shows do is that once they're finished with their first season storyline, it kind of loses its way and so they throw a bunch of different concepts at you like, is this a murder mystery show? Is this a mafia show? Is this just a tortured teen, like gangs, you know, West Side Story thing? It's very lost and so it kind of just tries to do everything at once. Um, That being said... I watched many episodes over the weekend, so I'm almost caught up, and I did enjoy them, I guess. You just can't explain it. I just, yeah, the characters are annoying. Um, (laughs) I I mean, sometimes it feels like it's almost getting to a point of maybe saying something or doing something that's interesting, and then it kind of pulls away into a weird diversion. I mean, and like I've said before, all of the older actors are really the highlight, like Skeet Ulrich, um, Luke Perry, Molly Ringwald, they're really the glue holding these things together. But, I mean, it's a bit of silly fun. It's one of those things I have on in the background as I do other things. So that's how I rationalise spending my time on it. But what, that's but on, is that Stan or Netflix? Or? It's on Netflix. So yeah. it's originally a CW, but Netflix has brought it over here. Um, and it's nearing the end of, I'm not sure how the seasons work. It's a little bit confusing, but it's coming up to some season finales. So oh, that's okay. coming out this week, hence why I wanted to get all caught up. Oh, is this one a week? Yeah, so yeah. it drip feeds it out one one episode a week. So, yeah, it's interesting to go back because we we'll, you know we'll look at them maybe three or four episodes to start with and then see yeah, how they develop. Check in a bit later, and I mean, look, I will say, I mean, it's hilarious. In there's some great BuzzFeed articles about it. There's some great tweets, um, and there's a nice community around people who love to mm. hate it or love to love it, but also know its flaws. Are the Pussy Cats in it? Just? Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do they have they any are. good songs. No. <laughs> okay, so we won't play them. Well, there you go. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a hot mess as a show, but <laughs> you go in knowing what it is. It, the quality has gone down over time, but, you know, I'm the sucker that keeps watching it. So, okay. Well, it's, I think it's nice to catch up with them after to see if they, they panned out. But yeah. I am looking forward to the Sabrina adaptations. We'll see if that's... Ah. Uh, 
Any well, good? That'll have a um, surely that'll have a witchcraft sort of basis. For going it. dark and and yeah. whatnot. And they Sabrina, they look very young. So I think maybe they are really going very teen. Just so long as they have an anim- animatronic cat. I'm wondering how they're going to go with the cat. I might have to do a little bit of background research to see what we know so far. Yeah. So, but yes, that's the update on the Archie era stuff. <laughs> they should have gone with the Dark Horse crossover comic. They should have bought Archie versus Predator into the. Mix. I mean, it would have spiced things up and been. <laughs> No more ridiculous than the plot of the actual Riverdale show. So, Speaking you know. of that, I'm so looking forward to Shane Black's um, taking up the directorial reins, which he actually has done already, of the new Predator Ooh. movie. And, of course, Shane Black, Iron Man mm-hmm. 3. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, what's that one? Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, you know. I mean, yeah. But he I was, love Kiss, Kiss, he was, a, he was in the original Predator. He was one of the uh, soldiers uh-huh. that gets killed. Uh, Excellent. Hawkins, I think it was. So here he is back directing it. I'm intrigued. Oh, I like yeah. a bit of Predator. I, like, mm. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it for Zero G. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Megan. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.